0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast recorded at quarter past two in the morning here inside the Estadio Metropolitano. Now, unless you've been living under a rock or p- probably behind your couch, uh, Liverpool are the champions of Europe. They've won it for a sixth time. They beat Tottenham Hotspur 2-0 here in Madrid. James Pearce, our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, you have finally got to write the match report that you have been waiting you all jinxed. your life. Yes, I have been. To be fair, I did say you were jinxed, and now you've never mind Jurgen Klopp winning his first final in seven. James, yeah. you've got that off your back, and you won't have to reconsider your position though, will you? Uh, yeah, just. Uh, did, did you enjoy just, yourself? I did very
2: well. I did. You know, I didn't enjoy an awful lot of the ninety minutes because it was uh, excruciating, especially in that in that second half when. Uh, when Liverpool had to dig incredibly deep to protect that narrow lead from uh, from Salah's early penalty, um, but yeah, you know the, I think we we said it was you know Liverpool don't do things the easy way, do they? They were they were they were always going to put us through the ringer, but you know the experience and the qualities of this team shone through ultimately. Um, you know it wasn't a classic, but who gives? Damn about that, Fine. yes. <laughs> because all the you know, I've you know, I've been sick to death over the years of writing match reports about finals where we've gone, ah, oh, you know, it was a heroic defeat, and you know, played well and, and got beat. You know, playing well in major finals isn't that particularly important. It's about winning, and that's what Liverpool have done. And this manager and this group of players thoroughly deserve all the the plaudits and all the adulation that's coming their way because, uh, you know, what a way to, to end what's been a barren run for the club in terms of silverware with the greatest prize in European club football.
1: Have yourself a drink there, James. Your voice is going a little bit. Uh, Connor, Connor Dunn, you were also with us, sat in the press box here in, in Madrid. I mean, you are renowned for being a little bit excitable, but uh, you, you, were, you were a bit tense as well, weren't you, towards those last 10 minutes? First, I just want to say I'm really excited. Get in! <laughs> but yeah, I was absolutely
0: nervous is how I'd like to put it politely. Um Yeah, Liverpool made hard work of it, didn't they, to be honest. Um I think, you know, they could have looked after the ball a lot better, but, you know, they they defended really well. Um I thought they were really well organised and didn't really let Tottenham have too many chances. And you never really felt like Tottenham were definitely going to score and have too many clear-cut chances in the game, but it didn't make it any easier to watch.
1: I mean, yeah, there was that. I mean, James Jurgen Klopp spoke after the game and he was asked the question, basically, you know, Tottenham had more shots on target and had more possession and more passes and says, but, you know, Liverpool, how do you explain that? And he basically says, look, I've, I've been sat here enough times, exactly, yeah. enough times trying to explain away how he didn't win certain games. So now's not the time to explain why, it's just <laughs> the time to enjoy it. So you can't blame him for that. He also said that he, was, he felt really, you know, he didn't actually say the word proud, but he was saying that he's, he's very happy about for his family as well, as more than anything else, because they've had to cope with him after these finals, going away on holidays, in a bit of a grump and he's with his silver medal. And he said, I'll be able to have a gold one this time.
2: Yeah, well, for him, it's huge, isn't it, as a manager, because he's had to repeatedly put up with, you know, the, these barbs that he's not a winner, that, um, that, you know, for all the progress, he hasn't been able to take that next step as a as a manager and win major trophies. And now that just completely ends that conversation now, doesn't it? You know, where nobody will be reminding him anytime soon about his, his miserable run in major finals, because that's, that's over. You know, now, now he's, he's won one. He's won the biggest one you could, you could possibly win. Um, and huge for this team as well, because I think, you know, they always say, don't they, that the, the first trophy is the hardest to, to, to get under your belt. And now, you know this is the start of what i'm pretty sure is going to be an absolutely golden era for liverpool because you know they've got a manager that you wouldn't swap for anyone and an immensely gifted squad of players who when you look at the age of the vast majority of them you know they're they're still a long way from their peak and that that's massively exciting for the future
1: i saw a nice tweet from andy kelly formerly of this parish uh, he basically said assessing the game on twitter he said that Perhaps, Conor, Liverpool have done enough for the neutrals in the past and given them enough that this was actually one for Liverpool just to get the job, get it won. And as James said, it wasn't a particularly pretty game. And as you've said, you're very nervous. Liverpool did not keep the ball particularly well at stages. I thought they did better towards half-time and then they had a 10-minute spell in the second half. But it was only really in the last 15 minutes that Tottenham really started having a go, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I thought... Taking Harry Winks off
0: for Tottenham was a bit of a strange decision. I thought he looked pretty good. Um and then to leave Harry Kane on as well, again I thought was strange. But yeah, I, I think, you know, naturally in occasions like this and massive games, massive finals, and you know, the biggest competition there possibly can be, there's always going to be nerves and there's always gonna be creeping doubts in and you know, one nil is such a slender lead and any sort of mistake both teams would have known would have would have cost them the cup essentially, probably. Um so yeah, I mean yeah, I can't really yeah, sum no, up my emotions to be honest.
1: You, you're, you're struggling a little bit there, James. Do you want to yeah, jump yeah. in? Yeah, I
2: was going to jump in and just say, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a particularly high quality game, was it? <laughs> Let's be perfectly honest. Um, you know, I think there was a few reasons for that. I think part one one was certainly the three week break since the end of the Premier League season. You know, we talked a lot in the build up about whether players would be rested or whether it would be a bit disjointed because they'd lose that match sharpness. And I think it was definitely the latter. I think both teams made a lot of mistakes on the night. I also think the heat played a part because it, you know, it was absolutely energy sapping out there. Do you feel as
1: though we perhaps underestimated how much impact the heat would have?
2: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, it was it was absolutely sweltering even even you know deep into the evening. So um, so no, I think it was a night when you just had to dig in. And you know, we've we've said all season, haven't we, that this Liverpool team have shown they can win in different ways. And you know, that, is, that was a major final. There's no way. Liverpool would have been capable of winning a game like that, playing at that kind of level in previous seasons. But, you know, the massive difference now is the defensive resilience and stability that they've got. And, you know, despite, you know, Liverpool not particularly firing in other departments in terms of midfield and the front three, um, you know, in, in terms of defensively, I thought they were absolutely immense tonight. I mean, Virgil van Dijk gave him man of the match, I thought, you know, you know, you want your, your biggest players to deliver on the biggest stages. And I thought he was just absolutely sensational. Just, you know, a cool head, you know, when a few other people around him were maybe losing theirs a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think the whole of the back line, you know, for Joel Matip, uh, you know, just ridiculous how good he's been in the second half of the season. And the two fullbacks as well, you know, not a night when either of them were were able to kind of, be at their blistering best attacking wise but defensively both made some some real key contributions you know i think you know there was a couple of real big challenges from Robertson a crucial block from Trent Alexander-Arnold when Spurs were were really really pushing and then behind that back for um you know Alisson Becker you know it was i think it was telling that seconds after the final whistle you know the vast majority of the squad made a beeline for the big Brazilian because um you know in that last 10 15 minutes when it was getting very very nervous and was pretty excruciating to watch pulled off three absolutely you know crucial saves and um you know if if one of those chances had gone in the momentum suddenly would have massively swung back Tottenham's way and I think it would have been very very difficult for for Liverpool to respond but um yeah he he really stood up stood up tonight and you know we, all season you know he's proved himself that he's re- been proved to be worth every single penny of that 65 million quid Liverpool paid for him and um, yeah you contrast that to the emotions a year ago when not having a an elite level goalie cost Liverpool massively in in Kiev because that weakness was laid bare for the world to see and tonight the world was able to marvel at the, the brilliance of the the goalkeeper that Liverpool brought in in his place.
1: Two words for you Connor. Divock Origi. well I thought that was what
0: you were going to say Logan Kopp how did you win this game? Divock (laughs) Origi I mean what a end of the season he has had it's been absolutely sensational I mean the rise in his performances has been an absolutely marvellous thing to watch and you know he's clearly such a confidence player Um, you know he's basically coming to the team he's he's taken his chances and he's provided Anfield he's provided the travelling cop um, away and at home from Europe and it's just been amazing it's you know I can't really describe how I feel about Divock Origi right now but sign the contract please
2: (laughs) all the way through the team is like unbelievable personal stories in terms of their advancement and the the circumstances in which they've done it um but yeah Origi's is the kind of thing where you know if you if you put his season down in a script and and gave it to someone in Hollywood they they dismiss it as you know it's it's too far-fetched to be believable but it's
1: you know, for a, that doesn't stop them. <laughs> yeah,
2: but you know, for a, a fella who you know wouldn't have even still been at Liverpool last summer if he you know the club did did the deal with Wolves, he didn't want to go there. He wanted to stay and fight. Didn't didn't get a look in, did he? For what was it, three or four months of the season? Um, his Liverpool career looked like it was petering out, um, and he and he'd have to accept that he would have to kick on elsewhere. And then you know Everton happened, and that just gave him an absolute new lease of life, and. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I can't think of another player who has has been on the fringes like he has for a lot of the season, yet has scored so many important goals when, you know, the double against Barcelona in that fight back in the semi-final second leg. And then tonight, you know, under that kind of pressure and those in that scenario, um, you know, a special word for Matip as well, with you know, did really well to tee him up when Spurs failed to deal with that corner. Um, but yeah, clinical finish into the bottom corner and yeah, I never thought I'd ever type the sentence that Divock Origi wins the European Cup for Liverpool. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, I still can't quite believe it, saying it there. But um, yeah, just just sens- just sensational scenes. And um, yeah, you know, the, 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 it starts to well up a little bit there, James. A bit. It is a little bit emotional, isn't it? But um, I think just because you know what it means to everyone connected with the club as well, because it has been so long, you know, 14 years since Istanbul. You know, that's a whole generation of fans that... Kind of grew up on stories like that, and now they've got their own tales to to tell um, from from tonight, and and just also what it means for for Klopp and this group of players because you know you, it would have been easy for for what happened in Kiev to have really set them back, um, but you know it, it didn't. If anything, it galvanised them. And the other thing that struck me about tonight was you know that bond between this team and and the supporters. I thought you know the. I think we kind of almost take it for granted, but you know that stadium was virtually two thirds red, and you know the the noise. You know, the, not only were the Spurs fans outnumbered, but you know the completely, you know the, the, the completely kind of outshone by the the noise and the passion from from the Liverpool end as well, and you know especially in that second half where Liverpool really had their backs against the wall, and and you feared that. About what was going to follow, you know. The, the, I think the fans were absolutely inspirational in terms of the the backing they gave to the players, and um, yeah, just just delighted for all of them because it, you know suddenly they go tonight from being nearly men to legends Champions League, League winners in. and legends, yeah. and you know, and I probably it's such, as we said before, it's such a likable group of players as well. There's no there's no kind of big egos. There's no no, no one's flash or anything, and it's just. Just full of decent personalities as well as elite players, and you know that's part of the reason that it, it works so well. Um,
1: but yeah, you'd have to give a special mention to Jordan Henderson as well because, well, Jurgen Klopp did in the press conference afterwards. What did he say? He, like? basi- he basically said that, you know, this is very satisfying for me, and he says, you know, there have been a number of my players. And then he pulled, you know, people have you'd say criticized, but he paused and then went, you know, Jordan Henderson, Liverpool captain. Lifts the Champions League in 2019. Says that feels very satisfying to me, actually. And you knew exactly what he was trying to say. He was, he was saying basically what you're, you're saying that th- these are a lot of players who've came through difficult times. You mentioned Arigi, you know, There's Milner as well. Players who perhaps aren't as I think trendy. Should we say is that the word? Or, or, or you know what I mean? They're not quite the you know the names that perhaps yeah. some supporters like because. Well, because the you know the way that they play the game, and a lot of them have been around for quite a long time, but they've all contributed to the way things have gone for Liverpool this season. As I say, Jurgen Klopp was was he was very keen to point out Jordan Henderson. He, he actually made a, he made a point of it.
2: Yeah, right. right. So as well, because I think it's annoyed him at how ridiculously frequently over the over his nearly four years in charge at Liverpool that he's had to almost reaffirm his faith in Jordan Henderson. There's almost been this assumption that it's probably since Virgil van Dijk had come in as well that Henderson was on borrowed time as, as skipper and probably on borrowed time of his place in the team if you rewind to last summer and obviously the excitement with, you know, shiny new signings coming in with Fabino and Naby Keita and there was almost this kind of assumption, you know, amongst what admittedly was a minority of the fan base that that, that was it for Henderson. But you know and, he, and he's taken a lot of stick and a, a lot of it is massively massively unfair because i think you only have to look at the the top level managers both at club and international level that have repeatedly picked him to show how much he's valued but i think a lot of his top work goes under the radar with some people but not anymore um you know i, I again i thought you know he absolutely ran himself into the ground again tonight and he is he's the ultimate role model for all of these players and yeah, especially when you think you know he's been at Liverpool so long. Was it coming up to eight years now, isn't it? And um, you know he's almost been held up at times as one of the reasons why Liverpool haven't won major trophies. And um, you know he, he seems to have had this bizarre situation where he's always having to prove people wrong, always prove that he belongs at this club. And I don't think we'll ever be having that conversation again because um, what's, what's the
1: what's the bracket he's joined tonight? Was, was it Emlyn a- Hughes? Yep. Emlyn Hughes, Graham uh, Phil Thompson and Stephen Jarrod yep. as the only Liverpool captains to lift yep. the European Cup. And there's, a, and there's another one, thanks to our good friend, fellow journalist Richard Jolly, who's pointed out that Jordan Henderson and Bobby Charlton are the only two people, o- Englishmen, to have lifted the European Cup and played for England in a World Cup semi-final. Yep. So there's
2: another one. <laughs> That's not too bad, is it? So, um, no. I mean, you know, unbelievable scenes after as well when he spotted his dad, Brian, in the crowd. And, you know, you, you could see... You know they're outpouring emotion afterwards because they've experienced that journey together. You know, for you know, it's yeah, just just unbelievable for for Jordan Henderson to, to to now be able to say that he's won. You know the absolute the absolute pinnacle, and um you know you could sense from speaking to the players in the mix zone afterwards that you know I think for all of them it's the greatest night of their careers, but they were also you know massively pleased. For, for him because, you know, he is someone they all look up to all respect absolutely massively. And, um, you know, it was also telling, I think from, from speaking to a lot of the players afterwards that they do just see this as just the start. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like this is the culmination of something. It's, it, it's that, it's that next step that they've been crying out for, for the last few years after the disappointments have come in so close. And, and then, you know, they'll come back in, in July for pre season and, really hungry to to kick on and and ensure that you know this this is just the, the the first of many major honours that they win under Jurgen Klopp.
0: The Blood Red podcast
2: from the Liverpool
0: Echo.
1: Well welcome back to the Blood Red podcast there um, we just got shoved out basically of the Auditor- auditorium where we were and we've moved over to pitch side. Uh, we were discussing Jordan Henderson Connor and you would like to say something about him and his performance?
0: Yeah absolutely I was, it was just about him lifting the trophy really I mean it's an incredible moment for any any player, any captain to lift the moment, you know, when it goes off of all the fireworks in front of the fans and all the cheers and everything. But what I actually thought was an incredible moment for Henderson is when all the celebrations ended with the main UEFA celebrations that are on TV, all of the players came over, they ran towards the Liverpool fans at this end with, with the European Cup in hand and they took it turn by turn by turn to have one go each and lift the, lift the cup. And the fans absolutely loved it and, you know, Henderson particularly got such an incredible reaction and he stood for ages in front of the fans and you know that is just nothing more than he deserves and he deserved to take every single minute of that in and he deserved every single minute of that admiration and here's to you Jordan
1: Henderson now there weren't many incidents in the game uh, there was however one corner that was very 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 early on after just 24 seconds when liverpool were awarded a penalty sadio mané puts the cross in from very short range it strikes musa sissoko's chest but then his arms outstretched it hits his uh, it hits his arm and then it hits his hand and the referee had no hesitation giving it uh, i mean to old people like myself then then it's clearly not a penalty but the rules have changed in 2019 we've got VAR we've got this director from UEFA that almost every kind of you know handball is a penalty and the fact that Sissoko had his arm outstretched Richard Pochettino didn't really complain about it after the game it didn't seem as if Tottenham's players complained about it that much and the referee obviously had a quick word with VAR he knew his decision anyway so was it a penalty?
0: Well, yeah, according to the laws of the game, it is, but it's not one of those ones where if it's for your, going against your team, it's not the one of the ones you're going to enjoy as a fan, certainly. But, you know, as you say, his arms are outstretched and his jumping position is pretty unnatural, really. You know, you know Manny's flipped it over him, but he's, he has jumped with his arms out, and, and that's how it goes. And, you know, that set kind of the, the course of the game, really. And Liverpool went ahead and they protected their lead, and, you know, that's what made the difference in the end.
2: I don't think it's a penalty. I think I know they're bringing in the new rules on it next season where essentially something like that probably would be a penalty but as the rules stay at the moment it is supposed to be a deliberate handball isn't it and I don't when it hits you in the chest like that and bounces onto your arm but, you know, the, the, the reality is that so many big decisions have gone against Liverpool. In You think back to, you know, Basel where they had two or three penalty shouts that were decent, turned down. Um, you know, things in Kiev that went against them. When, when you've had the events conspire against you in big finals that Liverpool have had, In recent history, I don't think you're going to get anyone in red issuing any apologies for for that. You just gleefully accept the gift. I think it's the kind of one where you'd be absolutely raging if that was given against you. Um, But it's gone in Liverpool's favour. And, um, you know, it's a special moment for Mo Salah. um, You know, that was for him. You know, you could tell there was real feeling behind that spot kick. I mean, Hugo Lloris went the right way. Um, But it had far too much power on it for the keeper to have any chance of keeping it out. and, uh, And I think part of that feeling from Salah obviously dates back to 12 months ago when um you know incredibly special for him tonight the fact that you know that he had the, probably the worst night of his career in that in his last major final and you know to be forced off in the way the way he was with the shoulder injury was so cruel after the season he'd had yet you know 12 months on here he is enjoying the best night of his life and uh yeah delighted for him as well because uh you know he's a he's an absolutely you know world class talent and you know now he's got the the, the biggest
1: medal you can get to, uh, to 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 go along with that. And Connor I did the player ratings as per usual and lots of love for them. Who'd have thought that, eh? After Liverpool win the Champions League, uh, but the two players that I picked out were two players that we've mentioned already: Alison Becker and Virgil Van Dijk. Both clearly were very important to this win for Liverpool. Both were very expensive for Liverpool, and have they been kind of? The, you know, the hallmark or the standard bearers for this new kind of Liverpool, the stage that they had to take, the step that they had to make to spend big on players who were going to instantly improve the first team rather than taking chances on certain other players who perhaps wouldn't?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I completely think those two embody the whole of the new Liverpool way. Um, the defensive solidity that Liverpool have got with that world-class goalkeeper and you know, probably the world's best player right now in Virgil van Dijk and in the heart of their defence it's just an incredible like liverpool made those incredible additions and yeah of course they spent big money but this look where it's got them you know second in the premier league winning the champions league you can't really ask for much more you know it's alisson's first season van dijk's that's his first full season and you know they're only going to kick on from here and by winning these titles, by bringing in these players, it's going to keep the big players around and players are going to want to come and play here and players are going to want to stay. And, you know, it, this just feels like a massive springboard for the future and it feels like this team can go
1: on and do something really special now. Now, James Jurgen Klopp, we have mentioned him once or twice already, but it was a big moment for him, wasn't it? I mean, he's, he's had them six fans which he's lost. He's waited, what was it, since 2012, I think, since he last won yeah. one? Month? And uh, he's had three pounds with Liverpool and he's always had that kind of, you know, the nagging doubt that he hadn't actually won something. But what was interesting for me, I know we've all picked up on moments that happened after the game and the celebrations but there was one where Liverpool's players basically just grabbed hold of, of Klopp you know dragged him towards the uh, lifting him, lift him up together, dragged him towards the the Liverpool fans and just started throwing him in the air in celebration. The club seemed to you know, quite enjoy it, but <laughs> it was it was one of those moments wasn 't it that kind of, you could see, see on the face of the players and the, and the face of the manager that were they were all in this together and while they were asked, several of them were asked before the game of like, "Oh, do you want to do this for the manager and they gave the old answer of "Well actually we want to do it for everybody you know right through the club there would have been a sense of you know actually we did want to do it for the manager you know they all seem to love him don't they
2: yeah joe gomez stopped afterwards and he was talking about that and said that you know for them that was showing their appreciation for what what he's done for all of them because you know you you, you go through that entire squad and you know the, the the development that we've seen um and it's that's all it all stems from klopp and it, and his backroom staff i think you know it's important to mention them tonight as well and you know, and it's, you know, it didn't seem didn't seem like too long ago when people were, you know, banging on about Bovac and whether Liverpool were hamstrung by Klopp and his right hand man. And you know, you know, they, they just work so well together. You know, Krowitz and Pep Linders, and you know, again with John Acterberg, you know, people, not longer people was questioning his role at the club, especially with what happened to Carrius. Yet, yeah, you know, he Klopp has always said that he's you know he's an elite level goalkeeping coach and then when you see Alisson Becker perform like he has done this season I think that reaffirms that but um yeah you could you know the the players just absolutely love playing for Jurgen Klopp don't they that's the thing and I think you could see they very much wanted him to be absolutely central to those scenes afterwards because um you know he's given them he's given them tonight um you know, he, he has created this unbelievable team ethic and camaraderie and spirit that they've all bought into. And, you know, when you've you, you, you know, in the mix zone area, like loads of the squad players were stopping and talking about their delight at being part of this as well. It's, you know, it has been a, a real squad effort. Um, and yeah, just it, it reaffirms the fact that Klopp is you know at the absolute top of his game I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't swap him for anyone in world football I mean you you think back to when he first came into Liverpool and you know I think he said then if he didn't win anything within four years he'd he'd probably end up managing in Switzerland and now he doesn't have to uh doesn't have to worry about that now does he now he's uh he's he's got that monkey off his back a few months ahead of that ahead of that deadline he set himself high praise indeed from the
1: manager of Echo FC Connor you had something (laughs) to say
2: yeah no
0: absolutely I've just Jordan Henderson stops afterwards as well in the mix zone and he was talking about just the love he has for Klopp and the fact that he's never met a manager like him and a player like a man management like him and he actually said that um, he wanted Klopp to come and lift the trophy with him but Klopp turned it down and said no that's your job that's your job as the captain but it just clearly shows you how much love they have for the manager and just how much they want him to be part of it and you know Robertson as well after the Barcelona game when Liverpool obviously lost 3-0 he came out and said that Jürgen Klopp lit the touch play under the players to come and you know really spur them on to produce that Anfield performance and it's just a real testament to him as a manager.
1: James, uh, do we feel a little bit as though Tottenham could feel a bit sorry for themselves with a bit hard done by? Do you feel as though perhaps they deserve better from the game or was it a case that Pochettino said afterwards that he said that Liverpool scored the goals, that was the difference and that penalty that obviously was given against them so early on interrupted their game plan and they had to change things around because they they had a good crack at it in the second half didn't they They yeah you know they got the chances that we mentioned that Alisson made the saves from do you feel though I never really got the impression that until perhaps that them 10 minutes that Tottenham were ever really going to score and it was ultimately an example of Liverpool that new kind of resilience or that ability to see out these games these tight games that they don't have to go off and win 4-3 or 5-4 or whatever but you know they've, they've done this the right way, score at the beginning, score yeah. at the end, and control it all in the, bit, the bits in the middle. You could definitely see which team had been here before. Because um, I,
2: I, I think I think Liverpool certainly they weren't at their fluent best by any stretch of the imagination. As, as we said before, you know the, the, the resilience they showed um, to dig in like that. When you know in contrast to you know Tottenham had a very ropey opening ten fifteen minutes before they they got a foothold in the game. Um, so I think that that played a part. And, and also I think Pochettino. I don't know whether he was asked about it in the press conference, but
1: he must regret starting Harry Kane because he was, he, was, he was asked and he said that he didn't regret it and with all the information that they'd got he, he would make the I same think, decision again or yeah, I think he, he's saying that isn't yeah, he yeah he's got to say that he, publicly but because Liverpool I mean, Klopp went with Firmino and that didn't really pay off did it yeah
2: but you know the difference was that, that Klopp was proactive with his substitutions what was it before the hour mark he had Origi on and Firmino off um, but you know Pochettino kept Kane out there and I, I think you know that, that played into Liverpool's hands I mean you think I think there can never have been a situation before where a fella scores a hat trick in the semi-final second leg, and then doesn't make the starting lineup for the for the final. I'm sure Lucas Moura felt pretty uh, pretty down when he when, when that when that was uh, when he was informed of that decision.
1: Right, final thing then, boys. Uh, We've come to the end of our evening. I should say evening. It's morning. What time is it? It's about three, o'clock, it's in three morning, yeah. o'clock. in the morning. Yeah. As we stood here behind the goal where Rigi scored Liverpool second. Um, what was your favourite moment? Uh, you both looked them, by the way, didn't you? <laughs> that was quite, quite, the, quite a good moment. Yeah. You just both, both turned around and looked at <laughs> <didn't> it. Um, <laughs> what was your favourite moment from the evening? I will say that mine is one that you've already said, Connor, and that's the big cheer that Jordan Henderson got when he went and lifted the cup. All the Liverpool players, as you said, took turns doing it. The goalkeeping coaches, all the goalkeepers and the goalkeeping coaches did it together. But Henderson and Van Dyke were the two that got the biggest cheers. That was my favourite one. What would be yours?
0: Oh, it's, it's tricky. It's a tough question because obviously... Yeah, I think, to, I think for me it's got to be Divock Origi's goal. I think it's so well taken and the corner that he finds he has got absolutely no space to hit that ball in and it is perfect, isn't it? And it wins Liverpool their sixth European Cup, so I can't really shy away from that or think of anything else and then, you know, his name ringing around the Estadio Metropolitano <laughs> <laughs> was just sensational and, you know, for him that's amazing and that that is it for me.
1: James, your favourite moments? Don't say all of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: well yeah i mean the
2: aregi's finish was just cuz it it just released all of that tension then you know all that anxiety that had, that had built up especially over the kind of 10 15 minutes before it um you know that was the moment when you knew liverpool had won the european cup for the sixth time so you know that would have to be that that would have to be it but also just you know that when jordan henderson lifted that lifted that trophy just to you know just knowing that that those those images we'll be seeing for you know f- repeatedly for years and years to come. Um, and just yeah, seeing the looks on their, their, those faces and seeing what it means to them, and, and just knowing what it means to everyone connected with the club for Liverpool to be back where they belong, which is Kings of
1: Europe. Right, that should do us. I'd like to say that we're all got to go to bed. This is untrue, obviously. We've we're all, find we, it yeah, up. we've got to go and find somewhere. Also, big thanks to Michael Pearson, who Hello. has been who has been holding that camera like nobody's business. <laughs> Even the microphone as well. Don't know why I said camera. (laughs) Anyway, cheerio and join us later this week where we'll probably look back a lot more at the game when we've calmed down a little bit. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.